OT After Dark is a podcast run by two occupational therapists and is for adults only. The views on this podcast are our own and are intended for information and educational purposes only. We believe that sex and sexual pleasure are a human right for consenting adults, regardless of ability, age, gender, or sexual orientation. We discuss topics that cover a wide variety of sex and sexual practices. To be true to our strong views regarding inclusivity, we use common and slang terms regarding sexual topics, which may be considered explicit. Listener discretion is advised. We have exciting news to share. We recently partnered with DirectRec, a free app for OT practitioners, PT practitioners, and speech-language pathologists. DirectRec helps clinicians to find peer-vetted products, and we recently have added our own recommendations of products on DirectRec for sexual health and wellness. We helped DirectRec get a little extra sexy. DirectRec helps clinicians share products and other digital info, like YouTube videos and Google Docs, with their clients. DirectRec helps you to track clients' follow-through on your product recommendations. So to start using DirectRec, click on the link on our website at otafterdark.com or in our social media bios. Hi, I'm Kay. And I'm JJ. And we're both occupational therapists. And we're here talking to you about sex. Woohoo! And on this episode, we talk to Sarah Silvaggi Hernandez from The Autistic OT. And she tells us all about her experience with dating, intimacy, sex, marriage, uh, and her life uh, as an autistic. And we just want to um, put out there a trigger warning that she also discusses sexual trauma in her life. So we just want to make you aware um, that that is part of this discussion. I hope you enjoy this conversation with the autistic OT. So I'm very excited uh, for our episode today. We have my very, very dear friend, Sarah Salvaggi Hernandez from the autistic OT on today. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much, J and K. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little background. Sure. Um, Well, my name is Sarah Salvaggi Hernandez, and currently the thing, the space that I'm really enjoying existing is the autistic OT. Um, But, you know, I've worn many, many hats in my life. I am an assistant professor at Bay Path University, uh, teaching occupational therapy. Uh, PEDS is my jam. Mental health is my jelly. I love <laughs> both. Um, I'm very passionate about those areas of occupational therapy. I also um, was the first openly autistic person elected to public office. Um, technically next week is the end of my tenure on the board of education in Enfield, Connecticut. Um, so that's been a very interesting experience. And, um, I have been married to my husband for 20 years. Uh, still like him. So I figure (laughs) it's doing well there. Good deal. Um, I have, you know, three children for keeps. And then we have a fluctuating number of children coming in and out. We are therapeutic foster parents, uh, specifically for neurodiverse children. Um, and I have a dog and three cats. <laughs> <laughs> so that's me. So before we get into what we're going to talk about for the podcast, I think there's probably going to be listeners that are have only really been taught person first language. Can we can we just kind of introduce the idea of person first versus identity first and person with Absolutely. autism versus autistic before we kind of get into this, just to kind of yeah, take this totally. opportunity? Yeah. So um, person first language is something that has been very important, especially in the medical community. Um, you know, there was a push because very well intentioned. They wanted to. Uh, reinforce the idea that an individual is a whole Mm -hmm. and that, you know, any of the diagnoses that come with them does not define them. 
So that's where the idea of person first. And so many people will say, you know, here is Sarah with autism. Um, and then there are many people in the disability community that push for identity first uh, language, which simply means that, you know, whatever, like our disability is not just part of who we are, but it really defines almost every interaction that, you know, we have. And I believe that, especially for autism, the diagnostic criteria that we know, like, you know, social communication mm -hmm. issues, um, restricted interests, and, uh, you know, just social relationship issues, those are there. That's very true, but it's a very narrow definition of autism. And to me, autism is so much more. Um, I'm very sensitive to patterns, um, but in people, like I see when somebody is dysregulated and upset, mm -hmm. um, I have a very like synesthetic view of sensory. I see sensory um, and there's so many more things and they are because of my autism. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it is my identity. Mm -hmm. And it's something that can never be separated from me. I don't want it separated from me. Uh, I, can't, I can't imagine my life without being autistic. And so to, for me, to say that um, I am Sarah with autism means that I can put it down and I can't mm -hmm. and I won't, where mm -hmm saying I'm autistic talks not just about who I am, but it also connects me to community mm -hmm. and it connects me to culture. And so for me, that is powerful. Yeah. And so yeah. I will always be autistic. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thank, Thank you. you. Cause yeah. I do think, I think education programs in particular still really push the person first, no matter what. And I think it's right. important to get both views out there and, and understanding right. that there's it's, not one way. I've, I've been told personally many times that I have to refer to myself as person first. And I'm like, no, I don't. How it works. <laughs> um, and to the darker side of, and I've shared this with Jen, but actually um, in one of my evaluations for my courses, somebody suggested that I should be fired for using identity first language. Wow. Um, because it was so against what the medical community. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I smile, but it's deep. Like yeah. people are very perceptive. Yeah, very much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the disability community uh, is getting louder. Mm -hmm. We're getting sassier. Um, <laughs> we're understanding the system that we have to work in to, to make change, which is uh, to uh, create peer-reviewed research. Mm -hmm. So here it comes. <laughs> Excellent. All right, let's let's shift to relationships. Yeah, yeah. I don't you know, know where do we want to start. On, you know, we're, this is OT after dark, so we're interested in relationships and sex and all, all the goodies. Yeah. So, um, I think wherever you would like to start, um, if you want to start about your relationship with your husband, um, and what that's looked sure. like, and being autistic, and and kind sure. of how those so. two pieces go together. So, um, my relationship with my husband is kind of a funny thing, and I think. Autistic people and dating is fun um, <laughs> for many reasons. And it's because, you know, we pattern our behaviors after what we see in other people. And so for me, that was um, TV shows, like my so-called life, mm -hmm. um, you know, like things that I had watched that I was like, okay, this is what a relationship looks like. So it was interesting for me to start dating because, um, and really get into serious dating because I thought, well, I've got to do this in a very particular way. And we know the reality is there's no right way or wrong way. But I remember saying uh, to my husband, like we had an intense attraction, intense, like mm -hmm. it was magnetic, it was electric. It was like the best sensory experience in the world. But I said, we have to go on five dates before we have sex. I'm pretty sure that's the rule. <laughs> um, and, and so he said, okay, well, we'll go on a date every single day. <laughs> let's get this, let's get this done. Like, we got to get these five dates in. Let's go. <laughs> we have to have five dates. And we had our five dates. Um, 
And I, you know, the sexual experience is something that is interesting. You know, first that connection. Um, I think that everybody should have the sensory profile done <laughs> so that they understand touch they like, mm-hmm. experience that they like. Um, because I'm not, my, I don't like soft touch. Mm-hmm. So I'm a right to business girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't like, like foreplay would make me want to like, it would make me angry. Like, what are we doing here? You're wasting my time. Go on. So, <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, that was, you know, I think understanding my sensory profile has really helped me mm-hmm. with expressions and sexuality. Um, I like firmer touch. Mm-hmm. I like, I, like I said, like, let's just get straight to business. Mm-hmm. And it's still something pleasurable for me, like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but. That's an interesting uh, idea, a sensory, everyone yeah. doing a sensory profile. Right. I and like that. In terms of <laughs> sex and relationships here. Date number two. Yeah, what kind of sensory profile? Like? And then to, right. because there's so much, because it will take so many cues from media, from television shows, mm-hmm. you could, and I, I definitely see how I thought sex had to be that way because I saw it on a movie. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't understand it for myself. And to realize that I have a sexual preference that maybe is against what I was taught growing up was, is against what's portrayed as real love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, that was, that's really powerful for me to know. Um, I can't have sex at night. It's too dysregulating. Mm-hmm. It's a happy dysregulation, but I'm going to stay up all night. I'm going to be awake. Okay. Um, I have to have sex in the afternoon or the morning. Mm-hmm. That's it. A little afternoon delight. <laughs> Nothing wrong <Yep>. with that. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I understand that now because I understand my sensory profile. Mm-hmm. And have you had those conversations with your husband about what your sensory experience is and what has his uh, reaction been to that? Um, <laughs> so my husband a remarkable man and he will just show up for any party I throw (laughs) (laughs) pants off dance off let's go (laughs) yep yep he's like you want what let's go let's do it uh during the day sure morning yes (laughs) it doesn't matter um so he's he's really um my ability to communicate my prefer- my preferences to him has increased. And with that um, has helped me to kind of dismantle this perception of what, even, like what is 20 years together sex look like? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't need to reference a book, yeah. you know, which is what I, I learned a lot from romance novels. That's how I learned <laughs> how to have sex was a romance novel. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Not the most accurate. Um, but yeah, no, I'm very fortunate with, with my partner. And I'm very fortunate that he um, is very willing mm-hmm. to be flexible to my needs. What about, um, I guess, what advice do you have to occupational therapy practitioners in, I mean, we kind of touched on sensory profile, that, but for autism... Um, intimacy, sex, all these things, what should we be doing? I think that you, I think OTs need to understand how explicit they need to be with autistic people. Mm -hmm. We do really well with clear direction. Get rid of the vagueness. Mm -hmm. Get rid of your giggles. Mm -hmm. Like, like not, you know, not you, please continue (laughs) giggling, but like, if you approach this with me as something very logical, um, if you tell if you, with your body language, I think that's a big thing for us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with your body language. If you convey to me that this is nothing to be ashamed about, Mm -hmm. if you convey to me that it's a really 
um, personalized experience, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm going to like, then I'm going to understand it. But if I can sense in any way that you're uncomfortable with it, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick up that it's something I should also be ashamed about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not true. And so I think that, a, like, especially working, be explicit and really be mindful of your body language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that you're talking about shame. I think that comes up a lot with masturbation. And I know when I was working in pediatrics, that was probably the number one thing with parents, with my clients that were autistic, that was like, what do I do? They're touching themselves all the time. What do I do? What do I do? And there was, I don't, I don't necessarily think parents meant for it to come across as a stigmatized activity and somebody to be shamed, but they just were so lost as to how to deal with it that I think it mm-hmm. did. There was like an unintentional shame being placed on, on masturbation. Any, any thoughts on that and advice to give parents Sure. So with parents and especially autistic children, I think that it's important to remember that the act of masturbation serves a very, very important function, Mm -hmm. not just for us, but for for everyone. And so there's a reason why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. It feels good. Yes. But a lot of times it's like the best anxiety reliever ever. Mm -hmm. Um, Dysregulation leads to impulsive action Mm -hmm. so the act of masturbation is very dysregulating in a wonderful way Mm -hmm. but it kind of helps to jumpstart your day (laughs) (laughs) you know like you're like well what am I going to do today and that is a a a way to like hack your system Mm -hmm. to wake you up and, and literally get you going so that then you can go on to all the other things that you have to do in the morning or the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're struggling to study, if you're struggling, like it's very, it's a very functional thing mm-hmm. for us. And so I think that it's important for parents of autistic children to recognize that it's functional. Mm-hmm. You know, your child is not some type of sex deviant. Um, they're just really meeting a sensory need that they have, just like the swinging just like the therapy, like this is another type of sensory experience that they need to have Mm -hmm. and teach about safety and hygiene, Mm -hmm. you know, space and place. Like, awesome. That's something that you need to do. It's not available to you right now. Um, but talk about where the, you know, if you go in your room and you shut your door, then I will respect that the door needs to be shut, Mm -hmm. you know, so that, they know that they that's something that they can engage in without any kind of shame. It's a totally mm-hmm. normal human function. So you bring that up about it, helping you start your day. Have, have you seen the movie The Shape of Water? Yes. And um, yes. it just, it makes me think of that. Oh, like know, that was, that. that was part of her normal routine. You know, she woke up, she put the eggs on the stove to boil, went and took a bath, masturbated in the bath, eggs went and went done. about her day. And it was her routine. <laughs> but what I love the depiction is, is that it wasn't over-sexualized. No. It was just, this is my routine. This is what I do and, and move on with it. Um, so I right. thought it was like a beautiful depiction of, yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, kind of sticking with this idea of, I guess, advice for parents, you were talking about the importance of being very explicit, very concrete. Um, I'm just thinking dating, starting to date teenagers wanting to date. And it's confusing enough for any teenager to, I mean, it's, it's nothing concrete about dating, especially as a teenager. So I guess advice for practitioners, parents, anyone dating autism, teens, (laughs) So dating while being autistic is hysterical. You know, now I can say that. Let me let me take that back. For me, looking back, it is now hysterical. <laughs> In the moment, it's not because it's so confusing. And again, I go back to where dating wasn't something that we, we talked about in our, my family. I was very, I was from a very religious family. And so the intention for dating was to marry somebody, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. period. Um, And so once we left that, you know, religion, I had no idea how to date. Like, I thought that if somebody smiled at me 
while they were sitting across the table because in my religion, that was a date. So if somebody's sitting mm-hmm. across the table smiling at me, that was my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had a tendency to assume that people either liked me or that, that we were dating mm-hmm. just because they were friendly. But mm-hmm. that didn't come from, it wasn't naivety. Like that was how I was raised. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't have interactions between the sexes unless it was intentional mm-hmm. um, for procreation purposes, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so I tended to rush into relationships, which is silly. Uh, but seriously, like with my, my husband, Jeremy, five dates, then we can have sex. Um, I had a lot of one night stands. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why am I wasting my time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. let's see if this works (laughs) if it doesn't work we move on it was so illogical to me to like wait all this like wait I don't like to waste my time Mm -hmm. (laughs) if it's not gonna work then it's not gonna work and we can just have a good time and we can move on from it and Mm -hmm. I remember thinking like oh my gosh I'm pretty sure that means but you know, I, it's also like this whole idea of, um, it's just this whole idea that I don't have to stick to a script Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. somebody else has written for me. Um, and that can be confusing because while I have this very super like logical approach to connections and relationships, Mm -hmm. the other person might not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's where it would get messy. Um, and I had a hard time understanding like, well, what's the big deal? Yeah. And I think that's an important thing for people to consider when talking about the importance of educating on safe sex. Cause if, again, if you're getting your knowledge of relationships from movies and romance novels or whatever it is, and you have this idea of why wait, let's cut to the chase, but no one has ever talked to you about STIs and safe sex and getting pregnant. And then, and then we just kind of open this whole thing up to getting STIs, <laughs> getting pregnant, mm-hmm. um, and, and ending up in situations where no one wanted anyone to end up all because we didn't want to talk about it. And I think that that is really important and to connect it. Like I can agree with that because again, the level of explicit instruction that I needed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nobody was, was comfortable giving to mm-hmm. me. And that I don't, I'm not judging. I don't think I'm not upset with anybody about that. Um, but I literally thought as long as somebody pulled out, mm-hmm. it was fine. Yeah. I was never going to get an STI. I was, the, I couldn't get pregnant. The good old um, pull had, and pray method. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, that so, doesn't work? I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really needed somebody. I needed a safe space to really just, like, mm-hmm. nuts and bolts. Yeah. A, A1, A2, A3, like, yeah. <laughs> lay it out for me. Because I didn't, I really thought that if there was an ejaculation inside of me, then we were good. Yeah. We were fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... So safe sex, and then, I mean, I guess this is a segue just into safety in general mm-hmm. and avoiding abuse if you don't fully understand what's going on. And I know you had something you wanted to share on that topic. Yeah, so um, again, you know, we were, this is something that I've struggled with my whole life because, and I'll be really honest with you, um, There's times when I don't feel it's my fault, but it was my brain. Like my brain is just hyper logical. And when I was a a little girl, um, you know, we, again, I I referenced it earlier that we were a part of a very, very strict fundamental Christian community. Mm -hmm. And in that community, we were um, groomed for compliance. Yes, ma'am yes, sir. You don't question your authority. Mm -hmm, If mm -hmm. your authority tells you something and it's true, 
and you even question that's talking back. And for me, like the society or the culture that I grew up in, um, if you talk back, like my teachers hit me, my principal hit me, my neighbors hit me like that. I mean, you just, that's the level of control that not just your parents had over you, but everybody in your community. Mm -hmm. So you learned at a very young age, never to talk back. And unfortunately that type of, um, just, oh gosh, I don't even know the word for it. It's just this hyper compliance culture. Mm -hmm. Um, can it creates people who don't believe that their body belongs to them Mm -hmm. and they don't believe that they're allowed to set boundaries for their body and so around the age of eight um, I had a teacher who was really ridiculed by a lot of the other students and I felt horrible about that I'm very like I can see when somebody's sad and Mm -hmm. I never ever ever want anybody to be sad I'm very sensitive to that Mm -hmm. And so I did, you know, go to him and say, I was sorry that that wasn't right. And it wasn't kind what they were doing. And this teacher took advantage of, you know, my kindness, mm-hmm. advantage of my um, need. There was an, a cultivated need for me to be of service, mm-hmm. to be, mm-hmm. To, to be making somebody happy. That's what I thought my, my role was. And so he mm-hmm. took advantage of that and molested me for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't honestly remember everything. I'm still, you know, 40 years old and I will have glimpses of different memories and I'm kind of piecing things together. A lot of it is because I had no clue about anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sex education was not until marriage. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I didn't even know that penises got erect until I was 16. Why would, I, why would I know that? Like, I, that's the level, like, all the information that I received was this. And so I didn't understand the types of touches mm-hmm. that he was doing to my body. Mm-hmm. I knew I felt uncomfortable, but he during you know those moments he would tell me what a good christian i was being how kind and compassionate Mm -hmm. and so like those two messages for me were okay this is all right Mm -hmm. because i'm being a a good christian and now of course i look back at that and i'm like yeah no but when i'm eight and nine and that's literally i've just been trained to be compliant Mm -hmm. that's it um so that it continued for four years and then you know it was around 12 and my body started to develop and I was 100% sure that nobody should be touching my breath mm-hmm. I knew mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and so at 12 I was like wait a minute and I remember I went to a teacher and I disclosed um I had actually I had briefly told I said I told my parents I said um, this person, this man hugs me and I feel really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I didn't have the words to attack. Like, I was like, I feel really weird, mm-hmm. but, um, he had actually one day cornered me. I had gone to the bathroom and he had cornered me in that area. And then I like went immediately to a teacher and I was like, this happened. And, um, I know that it's not right. And I don't know, you know, and the teacher mm-hmm. said, uh, I'll handle it. You are to tell nobody, I will handle this. And so the teacher um, left the room, came back in, and she said, nobody else will ever know about this. We will tell your parents this is handled. You are never to speak of this again. And let us pray right now so that God can forgive you and erase the marks of another man from your body and hope that God sends you a husband that will be forgiving. Oh. That you've had somebody wow. else's. It's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Wow. And I, that was it. I never said anything. I, I almost, I, I completely forgot about it. Was the teacher, did Not anything almost. actually happen to the teacher? 
Um, no, I don't believe so. My parents never knew that my mom actually was a teacher at that school Mm -hmm. and nobody ever told her. Um, and then it was about 10 years ago, this man reached out to me on Facebook. Oh, oh, wow. And that's what sparked me like remembering. Mm -hmm. I was like all these memories and all like it wasn't just memories. It was the connections that I was allowing myself to have Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because before I didn't allow myself to make those connections because I was trained not to. Mm -hmm. Now as an adult, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't okay. (laughs) And I couldn't figure out like he was sending me stuff like, oh, I'm happily married now. He's still a teacher. Mm. Wow. And I don't, you know, I actually, I looked up, you know, recently, um, all the, the statute of limitations Mm -hmm. to see if it was something that I can report. And unfortunately I can't, Mm. there's, there's nothing Nothing to do legally. There's nothing to be done. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's been a long, a lot of healing from that. And I think, but the reason why I wanted to talk about it here mm-hmm. is that it definitely, for a very long time, affected my ability to have a fully realized relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And be open mm-hmm. with who I was and to be realized that I am in control of my body and I can set boundaries, but not just set boundaries, I can enjoy things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was, um, and so it was important. It's important for me to talk about that in about my journey, but also in the, I want to really caution people to against compliance based training. Mm-hmm. When you remove autonomy from any individual, they learn that they're not in control of their bodies and they're not allowed to set boundaries for mm-hmm. their bodies. Mm-hmm. And especially for autistic individuals, that is just the truth for us then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you, um, so I, a lot of our listeners are students, um, mm-hmm. and might not really understand what we're talking about when we say we talk about compliance based and how that might relate to therapy. Actually, some active practitioners might not fully mm-hmm. know what we're talking about. Cause so can you kind of go talk about what you mean by, in terms of therapy and therapeutic approaches, what we're talking about with compliance based? Sure. So anything with compliance, um, typically comes from a behavioral model, Uh, And there are many behavioral models out there, but there's definitely been a surge of behavioral therapies that have come and have become actually a standard approach with autistic children. Like that idea that you can put your hands on somebody and force them to do a task, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you can pull down somebody's pants and force them to sit on a toilet every half hour, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether they have to go to the bathroom or not. Mm -hmm. The idea that you can... Um, if somebody's having a genuine fear response, if somebody knows something's wrong and they're having that trauma response, they literally are picked up and put and isolated in a Mm -hmm. room Mm -hmm. by themselves. And it's coming from a place of pure intention. I am not in any way suggesting that anybody is intending to be abusive or traumatizing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the underscore is that you are not in control and I the yeah. therapist am going to continue to force myself upon you until you realize that you have no rights over mm-hmm. your body and that is so dangerous because it opens us up for so many types of abuse mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so many types mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And I think, so when I was in OT school, I worked in one uh, one of those programs. <laughs> um, and I still, I personally feel traumatized by what I was asked to do. Um, and all those things you just described, like really forcing, forcing kids to sit at a table when they didn't want to sit at a table and forcing them to do the things. Um, I didn't do it for long because my, my gut was like, this doesn't feel right. And it didn't feel functional to me. Like, to me, I'm like, what? What, how, how am I helping this kid? I, it just didn't seem like I was actually helping. So, so what if he could sit at a table when he was supposed to sit at a table? Like, how does that help yeah, somebody? Yeah, with their life? Exactly. Um, so I, I didn't stick with it long, but 
But when I did speak up about my discomfort, I was just, I was just shut down yeah. because there was the, the, the powers that be felt so strongly. And again, I agree. I think the, the intention is, is well-meaning. I don't necessarily think there was a lot of long-term thought into the kinds of things like what we're actually teaching in this compliance-based therapy. Um, so I guess I just would, for students current practitioners, I caution people to really, when you feel uncomfortable with a therapeutic approach, really don't ignore that discomfort. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bring up that discomfort, talk through that discomfort. Um, and yeah. I know it's hard to walk away from a job because of financially, but sometimes mm -hmm. you have to walk away. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best. And decision. I, you know, I wanted to say that, like, I think I want you to realized you were being groomed for compliance mm -hmm. I mean it's all based on that you had that gut feeling and slowly and surely you were being groomed to suppress yeah mm -hmm. a very natural response yeah and you and other therapists absolutely have the ability to walk away mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. autistic people don't yeah and the autistic community especially when you talk to autistic adults um, or you communicate, I mean, if I'm talking non-speaking and speaking mm -hmm. adults alike, clearly will say behavioral, and I'll just say it, ABA. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're skirting around the, the, the elephant in the room here, right? <laughs> we don't want ABA. Yeah. We don't want ABA. It's, it, they're, uh, oh my goodness. I can't remember her full, her last name, her first name, Kenny, um, was just to uh, release a uh, research article about the um, levels of complex PTSD mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in autistics who have had ABA. Mm -hmm. And it's astounding. Yeah. Um, it is traumatizing for us. Sorry, I have to put my thing down. Um, it was traumatizing. It's traumatizing yeah. for us. Yeah. And we're trying to say, and then we'll, you know, our community is told, oh, well, this is what's best for you. And we're like, wait a minute. We, 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 <laughs> we should have some who's, say in this. Who's making this decision? And <laughs> Who said this? Yeah. And so, again, like I said, like, watch out, world. We're figuring out the system. Yeah. Good. And the system is that. We can't, we are not respected mm -hmm. unless there's a P value behind it. <laughs> That's a great, yeah. I'm to quote you that, on Instagram that is, on that. <laughs> to say, but it's the unfortunate truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there are collectives of autistic researchers that are all getting together and we're like, all right. Get the P value. <laughs> yep. Get your own P value. And I, yeah. And I, I have to say that being on the autistic OT, I have, loved there have been so many OTs SLPs um even ABA therapists who have reached out to me and and said like I really don't feel this is right and I'm like oh yes yeah like, Yay. <laughs> it's hard to talk about because ABA is such a machine yeah mm -hmm. it is and you want a job mm -hmm. right we have bills to pay yeah right <laughs> student loans to pay um, off yeah, yeah. <laughs> significant loans to pay off so yeah i mean but it's dangerous and this is why it's dangerous it takes away body autonomy um it takes away the ability to even be in charge of your body mm -hmm. and that sets us up for some very abuse from mm -hmm. our caregivers mm-hmm um, abuse from in you know partnerships and relationships, abuse from our bosses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It sets us up for a really sad life. Mm -hmm. That's the honest truth. Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. Autistics are in our own time and space. I love talking about the temporal part of autism, mm -hmm. and we'll get we'll get there. Um, hold on, one second. No problem. There you go. Uh, <laughs> So we will get there, um, but we need you to guide us yeah. and we need people that we can trust that that genuinely have, that love us, not despite our autism, mm -hmm. but because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we're really hecking, we're hecking cool people. <laughs> oh, of <Right>? course. <laughs> right? It's 
Why you're you one of my BFFs, right? <laughs> right? Right? So you don't need to break me yeah. to make me a halfway decent neurotypical. You need to just let me be a rad autistic. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Man, I think that's a good place to end. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I do. <laughs> I have, I do. I have another question um, for you, yeah. Sarah. So having experienced trauma and being autistic, how would you suggest that people approach the subject of um, sex and intimacy with you having that experience? Okay. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. And again, with like with all things, I will go back to the sensory profile. Um, to recognize that there are triggers mm -hmm. from types of touch, types of situations, proximity of people to you because of that trauma. If you realize that about yourself, it makes you or it made me feel less broken. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I don't like that soft touch. And it has specifically to do with the trauma that I experienced as a child. Mm -hmm. And that's a neurological connection and pathway that's just unfortunately mm -hmm. been very reinforced in my brain. Mm -hmm. um, so I would like to fix that at someday. And understanding about sensory, I know that I can fix it. But in order to really have enjoy sex, enjoy touch, enjoy intimacy. These are the types of things that will stay for me. And mm -hmm. when I can have that kind of conversation clearly with somebody who I'm romantically interested in, mm -hmm. um, it just sets the relationship up to be successful. I think that OTs and autistics just really, I think everybody's, I think the sensory profile is actually um, how we achieve world peace. <laughs> but do you think it? Do you I, think as I it is? I really think that is important to talk about. Like even like what kind of dates do you like to mm -hmm. go on? Do you like to if do activities that are more like I want to go roller yeah. skating and I want to do right. more active dates versus sitting at a quiet dinner and. What are or you guys? In a noisy restaurant. I'm gonna look like I'm pissed off at yeah. you the entire right? time. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with that. It has to do because I can hear people washing dishes yeah. behind me, and I'm like dysregulated by that. It's got nothing to do with my date. I'm having a wonderful time on my date, but my date is looking at me with my screwed up face and my short answers, and I'm yeah. not talking a lot, so they think I'm not having fun. No way, I'm having a great time. It's just that. <laughs> you know, Mary next to me decided to put perfume on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> that happened to me last night. <laughs> Do you guys think the current sensory profile, the adult adolescent version of the sensory profile is enough? I have mixed feelings on the adult version. <laughs> Do you think it's enough or it needs maybe an update? You're, you're, um, I couldn't hear that question. Do you think that the, the current again? adult adolescent sensory profile is where it needs to be or could could go for an update I don't love the current adult version is what I'm saying but I don't know how other people well, and <laughs> and they're coming out with the the sensory processing measure too mm -hmm. goes up into oh, adult adult oh yeah and it looks at a lot more areas like how does it affect driving relationships I've um, always preferred the sensory I'll admit it I'll prefer I prefer the sensory processing measure but yeah it hasn't doesn't have an adult but it's right going but to. It's, it's going to okay. now so I'm curious to see when that comes out um if that's going to be a tool that would be great to use mm -hmm. um with adults yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I'm excited I am excited because I feel like sensory processing the world has tried to like suppress it like yeah like oh sensory is not a real thing yeah and I'm like stop saying that <laughs> it really is <laughs> We're literally sensory beings. Yes. That's the point of our existence. And I don't need. It's how we experience the world. Like, yeah. Right? <laughs> Every day. We all do. That. <laughs> Whatever. You guys are I, just yeah. out of your minds. So it's, it's super real. And I love that they, I mean, I'm excited. I love the sun. I love the sensory profile, adolescent, adult, but mm -hmm. more because for me, I really feel like I can, again, going back to the, like my synesthetic sensory, like I can see it. Mm -hmm. I can feel it. And so this just kind of gives me something to anchor mm -hmm. my intuition. Mm -hmm. But I am all for, you know, refining and improving 
the way that other people understand sensory, mm-hmm. because I do think it's so valuable. And again, just really sets you up for success for whatever it is that you have to engage in, whether it be just waking up and mm-hmm. getting on with your day to enjoying a date. I love that you talk about driving. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I can drive. <laughs> if I drive at night, forget it. The The bright lights coming at me mm-hmm. all the time. Oh. I come home and I'm cranky. Well, that's the thing. And you were talking about hearing the dishes or the perfume at the, I mean, all those are elements of dating to be able to Mm -hmm. get to a restaurant, to be able to tolerate a restaurant, movie theater, wherever you're going on that date. um, And to be able to tolerate all of the sensory that's for anyone that's being thrown at you. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at a Starbucks last night and the uh, man walked in with cologne and I literally left and I was in the yeah. middle of working really hard on something and I could yeah. no longer function because of the smell of his cologne from like yeah. 10 feet away from me. I sat in a class um, when I was doing my my gap year in between undergraduate and graduate. And I remember sitting there and this girl was behind me eating an apple and just the crunch for an yeah. hour and the crunch and then chewing with yeah. her mouth open. I was like, I can't, I can't, oh, no. I couldn't listen to anything that was happening. I was about ready to get up and leave. I'm like, I, all I hear is yeah. apple crunch, crunch, crunch. And then th- throw that, throw all those hey. things on a first I date. <laughs> that seriously could ruin a date yeah it has nothing to do with the date itself nope. it has nothing to do with the person it has nothing to do with the conversation it's just that this lady behind me yeah is chewing with her mouth open yeah yeah jj you look like you were looking something up there <laughs> Did you I, have something to share the date. oh yeah no <laughs> like i was just lo- say, like listen <laughs> Um, I was just looking, I found, I found a PowerPoint that's talking about the new updates to the sensory um, processing measure too, um, and the teen forms. So that's when driving comes into play. So like specifically looking at like, I have trouble knowing how hard to press on the gas pedal or Mm -hmm. brake. Um, I need to be in a very quiet place in order to work or to fall asleep. So these are a lot more of these adult questions that they're asking. I think that's why I've always preferred the sensory processing measure Mm -hmm. to the sensory profile is I feel the items themselves have a little usually have a little more meaning and, and people can wrap yeah. their heads around a little more like here's another one in terms of dating i dislike eating in restaurants because of the different smells and tastes yeah. oh i'm Stop excited <laughs> all right oh, now, I'm so excited. now this is I just now this it. is just three okay, ot's geeking out that's <laughs> But the, it just opens up. Yeah. Like the, the reason that I'm like I'm super joyous right now, and the reason for that is that it helps you to live your life. Mm-hmm. Your life is so unique, and I'm not talking about just autistic people. Yeah. I'm talking about everybody. But when you understand what works for you, holy mac! Like it just opens up so many things. And sensory is such a powerful tool. Um, when we talk about that, because it really governs, I mean, you're taking in information into your body, your brain is processing it, and it generates that behavioral response. Mm -hmm. And so if you can understand that, then you can set up a situation to be successful for Mm -hmm. you. Or you can look at somebody and be like, you are not in my sensory profile. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's not do this. Because you like <laughs> Is this a new dating app we're going to create where right? we match people based oh on God. sensory profiles? <laughs> Woo. Let's do that. Yeah. 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 Can we trademark we, that right now? On- <laughs> right. Right. It's the autistic OT and OT after dark are uh, no one can steal our that. dating app. Oh. <laughs> it's ours. We stay claimed. <laughs> That's, that would be you fantastic. Like my heart. I can't. That would be so, that would be so cool. Okay. All right. Any, any closing okay. thoughts? Any final words of wisdom? I'm sorry. Repeat that question any, one more time. Any final words of wisdom? Oh. Um, <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> My final word of wisdom is, you know, autistic people are people. And the, the reality is just that we process differently. And that's not less. It's just differently and be a therapist, be specific with us. We want connection. We want to, we want people that we can trust. We're very, we're a very trusting population of people, autistic, we're loyal. And if you can look past the stigma that society places on autistics and see 
this individual who just wants to have a life of happy flappy Mm -hmm. like that's all we want Mm -hmm. um then you can truly support and create meaningful opportunities for intervention engagement um and when somebody realizes that they don't have to be ashamed of who they are Mm -hmm. it transforms to create potential for that like positive Mm -hmm. Mm self-identity and OTs have that role and what an honor Mm -hmm. what a privilege it is that occupational therapists get to help somebody realize who they are Mm -hmm. yeah so throw out and occupational therapy assistance I have to throw that in go ahead (laughs) (laughs) oh and occupational therapy (laughs) occupational therapy assistance and uh, as well yeah, as occupational therapists. Yes, yes. So all, yeah. all practitioners. <laughs> all of them. Everybody under that occupation umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a joy and such an honor. And I am so excited to be in this profession that really allows people to realize their potential. Yeah. So don't, don't let yourself be limited. Don't let yourself, you know, be like, this is the type of therapy you have to do. This is the way remember the individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. This was fantastic. Yes. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on OT After Dark. This was a wonderful conversation. We're so excited that you came on to talk to us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. That was fantastic. I love that conversation. But, you know, I'm a little bit biased. I also love Sarah. Well, I just met her for the first time, and, and that was fantastic. So there's no bias in that. Right. <laughs> she's got a lot of great insight. And I just love how, you know, she's able to describe her experience as being an autistic adult um, and what that means in her sex life. Yeah. Personally, I would love more of these very personal lived experiences. If anyone's listening and wants to talk about your lived experience, um, Related to sex and intimacy, please reach out to us. Yeah, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can email us, otafterdark at gmail.com. We, we love these conversations. Tell us where we can find Sarah. So you can find Sarah um, at The Autistic OT. She is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, and we will be posting on our website that article um, that Sarah mentioned regarding PTSD. And autism. We have new mics. We can't cheers like we normally do. But I'm, tra- know. But I'm excited about the mics we're using right now. So that's okay. I'll just end with cheers. Cheers. <laughs> As always, sex is an ADL.